All right, let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. Get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Joining us now are Ute Insider and former Ute quarterback Frank Dolce on the big show. Hi, Frank. Hey, guys. Good afternoon. I hope uh, hope you're doing well. I'm just out here enjoying this unseasonably warm fall day. It's fantastic. <laughs> oh, you're quite warm where you are, huh, Frank? Uh, good for you. Very, very uh, warm. I had to take off my, my light outerwear because I was so warm. Well, I see. Well, uh, we're in the middle of an Arctic blast down here, but um, we're glad you're comfortable. We're doing fine. We're, we're doing where, just fine. Tell Austin we're doing just fine. Where, where, where are you that it's so – I don't understand why it's so cold. I mean, I am – this is – I had to put on some suntan lotion. <laughs> well, we're down here – Sitting in some grass, and uh, we have the sprinklers going to our left and to our right. <laughs> so we have a misting effect. And when the wind blows, yeah, it feels like we're at the bottom of Niagara Falls. It gets a little chilly. That's all. Gordon, the bottom of Niagara Falls sounds like that may be a little bit of a reach. <laughs> Just a tad. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. But, Frank, let me start by asking you a question. I've been meaning to get that, and I've heard you comment on it before, but not on our show. Tyler Huntley seems to be, from one quarterback to another, because you know what it's like to stand behind center and to uh, run an offense. What is he seeing now? What is he doing now that is different from the Tyler Huntley of the past? It's a great question, and the Tyler Huntley of the past – I, I described him as running around with his hair on fire. And it's difficult because a guy like Tyler Huntley throughout his career, and I'm talking about when he started playing football, maybe eight or nine, ten years old, he's always been able to rely on his athleticism. He was physically gifted and just better than most people on the field. And so he could rely on that when he got into trouble. And, and that meant when he... When, when he had the ball in his hand, he dropped back to throw, and there was a little bit of pressure. He could always escape the pressure, and he could pick up positive yardage. He wouldn't put his team in a bad situation. You know, he wasn't forced to throw under difficult circumstances because he could get away from that. And that's just not how, how you know, the quarterback position works necessarily in college. There are a few guys that do that throughout their college career, but do they ever pan out at the next level? I mean, it just doesn't seem to go well. So it's difficult for a guy who's been able to, to rely on that athleticism and then to develop into what he's become. And what we saw against Washington State was the next step, the ability to not only rely on his athleticism, but have the composure and the comfort and the confidence to – keep his eyes downfield and make throws downfield and not feel like he has to run around and make a play with his legs. And I credit as much as I credit Tyler Huntley for taking that step, because it's difficult. I mean, it's, that's, that's a real leap of faith. Um, I credit Andy Ludwig and the way that he has managed Tyler Huntley and he's managed the quarterback group and he's managed this offense and Whatever they're doing in film study and, and preparation, getting, getting Tyler to this point in, in his career. And if, if Tyler keeps playing this way 
And, and Utah's offense continues to get the same kind of productivity out of the running back group without Zach Moss right now. They're, I think that's a really tough team to beat. On top of Tyler Hundley being so good, Frank, it also felt like the, the receivers went out and finally made some plays for him, you know, getting open and, and making those grabs. I know they had a couple of drops, but I, I thought Solomon Enos played well, and, and we saw uh, uh, we saw Nakua get into the end zone. Like I thought those guys were finally going out there and making him some plays. It's not like Utah played against, the, you know, the, the, what, the 85 Chicago Bears defense. I, I, Washington State is not the is not the, the the best defense Utah's going to face going out. It's still a Pac-12 defense, still Pac-12 athletes running around. But I think you saw Utah receivers running around wide open. But I, we don't see that happen very often, or we haven't in recent history. And and guys continuing to work as a play may break down a little bit at the line of scrimmage. And, and the other, you know, Tyler Huntley keeping his eyes downfield and, and people being disciplined at the line of scrimmage um, in terms of not getting downfield and not a bunch of holding penalties and stuff like that. So it all really worked well together. And, and now Utah has to take that same mentality and, and take that and play that way against, well, Oregon State next, not this week, but the following week, and then against Washington and teams like Cal and Arizona State that have some real defensive pressure, maybe even Colorado. So I think it was a great step uh, for, for all of the components on the offensive side. And, and now it's, you know, it's a question of whether or not they can continue that kind of, uh, that kind of efficiency uh, with the passing game and running game. Frank, what do you make of uh, the way the defense is playing now? That was the other piece. You know, Utah was – it was a very close game after halftime. And, and uh, you know, Washington State is certainly a team that is explosive on the offensive side. And, but but I, had a, I had a lot of confidence for Utah just because of the way Utah's defense was managing the game. And it looked very likely, and it turned out to be the fact that Utah held Washington State under 30 points. I thought that was critical for a Utah victory. And – and it was not just way, the way that the the, the defense executed, uh, and and they and and you know the guys on the field played that that game, but it was the scheme incorporated by Morgan Scally and his staff that was a lot different than we saw against USC. So, you know, both two two things happened in that game. The coaching staff went back and said, "Well, <laughs> you know what? We we didn't play that right against." against USC and we're going to have to make some changes and we certainly have the talent to make changes and they instituted the changes and then and then the team taking all of that feedback and all of that training and and different scheme going into the game against Washington State and executing it so that was a really good combination and and just something that maybe Washington State hadn't seen Um, people dropping into passing lanes um, still being able to get some pressure on the quarterback with a three-man rush. I mean, and then defensive secondary playing really well, and Ju- Julian Blackman having a kind of a bounce-back game, and not only in the in the passing but the run game. It was just a good combination of of putting together a, a really good scheme and and great execution by the players on the field. 
Frank Dolce with us on the Big Show 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Frank, what did you think of Mike Leach calling his players, quote, fat, dumb, happy, and entitled, unquote? Well, I think you have to take, you know, all the good things that you like about Mike Leach when, when you're talking to him about a movie being made about his life and who should play him and who should play his love interest and, and, and all of those things that we think are so, you know, engaging. And you, you also have to take the, you know, the other side of him that can be a, kind of a downer. That's, that's not the first time. I mean, that's not the first time he's kind of scorched his team uh, or his players. And I don't, you know, the truth is, I don't, his demeanor doesn't really change. I don't know how to take him. I don't, I, I am not quite certain if he is, if he's being serious or if it's just partly being serious and he's trying to be kind of entertaining as well. And that's supposed to be viewed as, as some sort of humorous in some way. So, uh, but I just, based on, based on his personality, I think that he's, that he's trying to be entertaining um, in a way that comes across as really demeaning. And so I don't know how he manages that inside the locker room. And maybe that, that is one of his things that he manages it differently inside the locker room with his team. But it's certainly, you know, there's one side of them that is really engaging and really entertaining. And you think we need to have this guy on our station every single week. And then there's the other side of them that you think is just, kind of scorching everybody around him. I don't know which which guy he is. You know, that's an interesting point, Frank, and it's something that I hadn't really thought of, that he might be managing the whole thing differently inside the locker room. And, and, and you know, I hadn't even thought of that. But now that you bring it up, I think that it probably I, – I think that's a high probability because he can't go into his locker room and talk to his players like that, can he? I wouldn't think so. I think if you do that, you would be a very short-tenured coach and you would lose your team pretty quickly, especially in today's day and age. I mean, there was a day back, way back when, you know, the, the Bo Schimbeckler, Woody Hayes, and those guys, you, you know, you could talk to your players a different way. You could grab them by the face mask and that wasn't grounds for dismissal. I mean, but, but today's, today's student athlete, that's a different that's a different deal. And so you talk about a guy harshly and, you know, he gets his feelings hurt and, and then you're done. So I, I can't imagine that he, that he treats his players or he talks to his players the same way in the locker room that he, that he does in, in the media. And, and I don't know, my guess is that he would, he manages that differently and that he has some understanding that, you know, with his, with his team that, Hey, this is, you know, I'm just doing this as we're, we, you know, like we're all in this together and I'm not going to give those guys anything on the outside other than, you know, some nonsense to go and write about. So I would think that's probably the case. Frank Dolce with us on 97.5 in 1280 The Zone. And, Frank, I asked uh, Gordon this the other day, but, of course, you do the, the Pac-12 shakedown on the Ute Preview Show every week. So I know you're paying attention to what's going on around the rest of the league. But but give me Absolutely. a little give me a little hierarchy of the Pac-12 right now. Who are the top three or four teams? Well, the top team is Washington. 
there's no there, to me there's no question about that. Like they're the team to beat, and they have a tough they have a tough matchup this week with Stanford. And I can't believe I you know I didn't realize this is they they haven't won at Stanford on the farm in five years. That's really interesting to me. I think they get over that hump this year. Uh, so so I think Washington sits right atop the league. I. There's, there's a few teams that I would put kind of in that second category. Utah is certainly one of them. Uh, so I would put Utah right up there, right behind Washington, and I think that's a great – that to me is kind of the game of the year right now is if Utah can take care of business till that game and Washington does the same, then Utah-Washington is a really, is a really difficult matchup. It's a good matchup for Utah. I think Utah can overcome that one, but – but I like, the, I like all the weapons that, that Chris Peterson has at Washington. Then I think you would have to look at a bunch of other teams as you go through. Oregon certainly sits up there. Uh, Cal, even with that letdown, I like the way they play defense. I don't like that they lost their starting quarterback, and I'm, I'm not sure that their backup quarterback is the, is is quite the same guy so Cal is in there but I'm a little less optimistic about Cal Arizona State probably fits in that category like I think they bring kind of a defensive mentality and but but uh, maybe maybe offensively they're they're manageable Um, and then I think you have to look at Colorado in that group because they have a great quarterback and a great wide probably a couple great wide receivers decent running game but I think you can score some points on them. So I think those are kind of your – those are the guys you kind of look at the top level. Washington State, I, I just think their defense they're, – they're just going to have to – you know, it's going to have to be a shootout for those guys to win games. I just don't think their defense brings enough. We've seen that evidence in probably three games, including the Houston game with, with Washington State. And then I think you kind of go everybody else, Stanford – you know, I don't know if Stanford's that really that that great, and and UCLA looks like you know one week they're going to score 67 points, and next week they can't necessarily figure it out. And Oregon State is certainly certainly beatable. Um, Arizona, you know, Arizona gets a win over UCLA with a backup quarterback and a backup running back. Um, but but I think they're you know kind of on the lower half of the Pac-12. So if I looked at the Pac-12, that's kind of how I would I would group it. Utah, Washington up top with Utah close second, and then a group of three-ish schools right behind those guys, and then kind of everybody else. See, Gordon agreed with you, Frank. I've got Oregon. I think Oregon's in that number one slot right now. They their defense hasn't number, given up a touchdown since they, their defense hasn't given up a touchdown since week one. Well, who wait? Who did they? Who have they played? Uh, well, they lost to Auburn and they beat uh, uh, Stanford, didn't they? Uh, last week, Gordon. If that was here, I'll I'll, I'll give you exactly yeah, what they've they done. Yeah, they beat Stanford. What they beat Stanford twenty-one to six. But they have the Something best like quarterback. That? They have the best quarterback in the league. They have the best offensive line in the league. They might have the best defense in the league. Uh, they played Auburn, Nevada, Montana, and Stanford. Whoa, that is a wow! <laughs> yeah, you're right, Jake. Hey, Jake, you have a heck of a point. <laughs> Let me rethink what I just said about the Pac-12. Nope, I think I'm going to stick with it. <laughs> Washington with up Oregon. top. Thank you, Frank. Thank you. <laughs> Utah. I put Oregon up there, but but 
I, they, to me, they're still untested. Talented, she, but untested. Frank, uh, Jake's been dogging the dog since the beginning of the year, so I, 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 I agree with you. Have uh, I been dogging you, them? You, or? you have been kind of. Dogging uh, the you, dog. Yeah, you, you have. Frank, I want to ask you this, and this is sort of a, this is a question that's in poor taste. Oh, boy. It's probably a question in bad form. Okay. But, but I'm going to go ahead and ask it anyway because using your football acumen, is there a player for the Utes? <laughs> now I'm regretting asking this question already. <laughs> but is there a player that they cannot afford to lose? Because their depth has, has seemed to be up to the challenge so far. And even when, when you think about how well Tyler Huntley's playing, well, Jason Shelley stepped in last year and, and did pretty darn well for himself. So I'm starting to believe that this program has players at every position. Am I missing something? Is there a player they cannot afford to lose? Well, I think Tyler Huntley may have put put himself kind of in that category last week, but but I think you're right. There there are capable backups in that scenario. Uh, so so I think you'd, you'd have to say, well, maybe Tyler Huntley fits there. But I would tell you that if there's a player they can't lose, he's on the defensive side, and his name is Francis Bernard. Mm, because not only the way he plays, but the lack of depth at the linebacker position. And, and, and I don't know if you can find someone to replace his productivity over consistently over the first few weeks of the season. So as much as I like Zach Moss, and, and, I, and I said this earlier, that, that losing Zach Moss wasn't the biggest of Utah's worries, and I think they figured that out on the defensive side. And as much as I like Tyler Huntley and the way that he's played this year and specifically last week, I think that the lack of depth combined with the productivity of Francis Bernard, he would be the guy that I would, I would hate to see go down. Well, Frank, thank you as always for jumping on with us. We really appreciate it, and we're really glad you're warm. We're, we're glad you're 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 toasty warm. That's good. You got the uh, you Man. got the suntan lotion on. Is that what I heard? Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't have a you don't have, I don't have a lot of protection up top, so I it's sunny and warm. I need to get that. I need to get the dome protected. I'm going to go try and find a nice air conditioned place to sit down and do a little work this afternoon because it's. Yeah, it's a it's unseasonably warm for a fall afternoon. <laughs> Thank you, Frank. We'll talk to you soon. All right. All right, you guys, you're the best. Talk to you soon. All right, there you go. That's the great Frank Dolce with us here on 975 and 1280 the zone.